ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. My friend, the voice of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, in studio, sitting across from me on a Tuesday morning. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Good to be seen. Beautiful, Boone. Beautiful. Does does your view of that phrase change depending on what time of the year it is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't beautiful if when you're, you're playing a football game there in December. That is correct. And it, and it ain't beautiful when it's 12 degrees and you're playing basketball. But if you're playing football earlier in the season or if you're playing baseball in the latter part of the season. Bingo. Boone is absolutely beautiful. And... um. You know, I I like going up there. I, you know, sometimes you got to put up with the climate, but the people there are great. Their campus is gorgeous, and you know, it's it's just a good vibe, and and it's interesting because, you know, you're on you're on the street, okay, and you're going to turn into the campus and head toward the stadium. Well, from the time you turn in to the time you get to the stadium, you've gone up three hundred feet. And and it's so, you know, it's this winding thing, and you think like you're headed to nowhere, and then all of a sudden there's a baseball field, you know. it. Uh, but, no, people there are great. Nice ballpark, very nice, um, and very, you know, fan-friendly. They got the berm on the first base set. Bring your, bring your dog to the park every day and, you know, play fetch while the game's going on. Dog throws the ball, and you go get it. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Cajuns win another series, that six uh, series in a row. and Hasn't happened since 2016. They got a couple left, including this weekend, but uh, back at home, which I know considering it's finals week and the last two long road trips, that is uh, that is welcome for the club. Well, you know, you're, you're on the road three out of the last four weekends, and one of them is a six-day trip. Um, so you you're on the road a lot in the month of April. And, you know, credit to them because they had some great success uh, during the month of April. They were 13 and 4 and 9 and 2 in pure road games. So I, um, you know, I think they deserve some credit for that. But it really is going to be nice to be home this weekend. And then you got another six day trip next week. Yeah. Yep. You know, over in Texas. Yep. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports are. Um, are we, we, fans, media, staff, everyone, too much emphasis on RPI right now? Absolutely. The right amount? Absolutely. Too much? Absolutely. Why? Because everybody talks about RPI like it's the know-all to end-all, and it's not. Is it important? Oh, absolutely. Can I ask you a question real quick, uh, and I'll, I'll let you finish your point, but I, I don't want to forget how much... 
Put a percentage on it. How much emphasis do you think the committee puts on RPI? Oh, I think it's probably more than 50%. Yeah, I would say like, I was thinking like more like 80. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I'm going that okay. far, but you could be right. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I've it's, never, neither, I've never, neither, sat, neither, I've never neither, sat in there. Neither do I. But, I. but look, if the only thing that mattered was the RPI, you wouldn't have a selection committee. You just sit there and say, okay, um, at-large one, at-large two, conference champion one. Conference, that's what you would do. But that's not what happens. And so there are other factors. How did you do on the road? Um, what is your non-conference strength of schedule? How did you do against quad one and quad two teams? In other words, top 100 of the RPI. What was your record against those teams? Um, those are things that are all taken into consideration. And how are you playing at the end of the season? All those things are taken into consideration. Other than the last thing you said, well, I guess all of them. Don't all those things factor into the RPI formula, though? They do, um, but it helps to break it down a little bit more. Okay. Okay? Um, so... But I don't pay as much attention to it because it's not something you have any control over. The only thing you have control over is winning the next game. Mm-hmm. And the RPI is what the RPI is. And, you know, if, if you wind up winning your games down the stretch, but your RPI slips because you're playing inferior competition or because your opponents who were playing real well earlier, all of a sudden aren't playing very well. You know, Southern Miss went and lost two out of three uh, this past weekend, and, and they hadn't been losing at all. I know. Uh, and, and there were and there some other factors as well. So it's important, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my God, if their RPI goes down a few spots because they still have the other things working in their favor. And... The Sun Belt has seven teams in the RPI Top 100. So when conference tournament time comes, every game you win strengthens your resume. Just don't be two and Q. Don't be two and Q. Do not be two and Q. That 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 can that can impact you drastically. And there, you know, there are a lot of folks that believe the Sun Belt's going to be a three bid league. Okay, and there are four teams fighting for three spots. You know, you have Texas State, you. you have Georgia Southern. You have the Cajuns, and now you have Coastal Carolina that's entered the conversation because they've been playing well lately. Um, I think where you finish in the regular season, in the standings, I think that's important. I think that's something the committee looks at. Right now, Cajuns are third, um, but we've talked about it. You know, the room between one and six, not that much space when you consider how many games you still have left to play. And I've always argued that RPI, not just in, in college baseball, softball, basketball, women's, I always feel like RPI is a, it's good, it, it brings more interest to the sport. Now, it is not like the BCS, but it is like a very poor man's version of what the BCS did in college football in that it got fans interested in games that they wouldn't otherwise be interested in, unless they were gamblers, Right. You'd have fans staying up saying, I, I, I got to watch this Hawaii game at noon because, uh, excuse me, at midnight, probably feels like noon in Hawaii at midnight here. Uh, I got to watch this Hawaii game. I got to stay up because 
if they win or if they lose, it's going to impact this team in this conference, and it's going to help this number. And to a lesser extent, I see the, the, the fans of these other college sports that aren't as popular as college football, but that's kind of how they've looked at RPI over the years. And to your credit, maybe a bit too much, but I think those sports love it because it's like, sure oh, do. now sure you're interested do. in this game that you otherwise, if you weren't a gambler, would you wouldn't even know was being played tonight. You might not even be able to name the mascot of these schools. And here you are on your phone or on your computer or looking for a broadcast or something, and, and you're living and dying with these, these pitches and these games that, you know, otherwise you'd have zero interest. So I, I, I don't know that that was their intent. I don't, it's it's a byproduct of it wasn't their intention, but it is a welcome byproduct of it. I think for the um, you know the people that that help put these sports together, they really enjoy that fans are on the edge about it. They're oh, like, yeah, they love it. Jay, don't don't say don't, don't say what you're saying. Let them let them keep following it so close. We love this ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Um. I you know I've talked to Coach Glasgow and we t- said it last week from a college softball standpoint, you know the RPI is not being followed as much right now as it was early in the season because they're going to be a two or a three. Um, I see LSU fans looking at baseball and softball sixteen eighteen. They're following it day to day. I mean, most years you can look at a lot of schools in this state in both sports and they're they're following that thing. Like, sure they are. like like people used to follow the BCS. I, I do believe, and, and this is just, and of course, every committee's different, all right? But I have found over the years that softball maybe pays a little bit more attention to the RPI than the baseball committee does. Uh, they, they have more of a tendency to, to be kind of right down the line with, you know, with some exceptions. Uh, and there are, I think, more exceptions with the baseball committee, but... Um, look, RPI is an important thing, but you have no control over it. Once the season starts, you got no control over it except By to win. go win games. That's right. And so the Cajuns have 11 games left. They have to go out and win as many as they possibly can. And then they have an opportunity, first of all, next weekend um, to uh, to rack up a quad one win or two. And then in the tournament to do the same thing. You know, right now the Cajuns have 13 Top 100 wins. That's good. Um, they need they, they need some more. Get some against the Bobcats. Get some in Montgomery. And in the meantime, win your other games. Do what you got to do. That's it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. All right, something else I wanted to, to chat with you about. I've been, I, I was asked a, a question or some form of a question and by a number of different people this past weekend. I would say in the last month or so, more coming into my inbox about NIL and what it's doing to college sports. Mm -hmm. I am of the belief, Jay, that a lot of, I'll call it frustration for many, is misguided. I think the transfer portal is a bigger reason for players, the state of college sports, and I'm not. I, I, I we'll get later into what you can or can't do, or or the rights of the players. I'll get into that a little bit later. I'm not. I'm not taking a stance one way or another, but I'm just saying when it comes to nil, my thing is: look, some of the best players have always been getting paid. Let's let's be real. Mm-hmm. 
now you have some that maybe aren't the best that have a chance to get a little something. Like, I, I, I think, should they have a few more regulations so that Lincoln Riley's not basically tampering and promising and doing all the things he's kind of given a wink to? Like, yeah, I think they should change it. But in the meantime, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do me. Yeah. But I think the transfer portal... I, like, I don't think the NIL is in a player, you know, that was really good at Pitt saying, okay, I'm going to the highest bidder. Like, folks are are zoning in too much on a, on a single player or a singular situation. How many players are in the transfer portal in all these sports? Uh, James Butler, my friend, state trooper, played at UL. I mean, he, he, he made me think about something because he's like, listen, I probably would have left at some point. I'm so glad I didn't. He's like, I know how I was back then and feeling like I needed to be on the field more and what happened after my second year of playing. You know, I I may have gone to La Tech because they recruited me hard because I felt like he's like, I'm so glad I didn't. It all worked out great. But my mindset at the time was, man, I feel like I should be there. I think a lot of players still feel that way, but now you have... Other schools maybe pulling him there as well. I think that's a bigger impact. I don't think a bunch of people in the transfer portal or a bunch of kids are considering leaving or leaving because of the NIL. And I, I think if you're someone that's critical of the state of college sports and how many players are coming and going, if you're angry about the NIL, I think it's misguided anger. I think you should be more upset with the transfer portal. Well, I, I think the problem is the two of them together. Well, I, I, and, you know, and, the, NIL, the NIL certainly heightens it, right? Uh, it, sure it weaponizes it, it sure more. Sure it does. Sure it does. Now, you know, the NIL, you could you can go ahead and break that down. And, and what the NIL is going to do and has already started doing, you've got, what, 64 schools in the Power Five. And... Um, of those 64 schools, about 16 to 18 are players. So what you're going to see is NIL create basically a bidding war on the part of the elite schools. Those that aren't elite ain't going to be a part of this. (coughs) Excuse me. Then you have the transfer portal, which hurts, in my opinion, the really good players from the group of five. I mean, those schools. Because those guys aren't getting a whole lot of NIL money, and they're going to have an opportunity to do it by maybe transferring not to a big boy that has a bottomless pit of money, but maybe that that next tier of the power five where you're going to get paid. And um, so that's where the transfer portal and the NIL go together, I think. You know, it, Lincoln Riley, that you, you brought it up. There's a player at Pitt, all right? Well, Pitt, well, they're a power five. They're Pitt, okay? They're not Florida State. They're not Miami. They're not Clemson. They're Pitt. And so if you're going to go from Pitt to USC, that's a mother load payday. You can even go from Pitt to Penn State. 
and mm-hmm. and, and it's up. But I, I do I agree with you, but I also think we're talking about like the elite of the elite, and not every elite player thinks that way. Some will. That's drawing the headlines. How many kids are just in the transfer portal that don't find a place or are leaving after an early commitment well, because it gets a little tough? And it's it's their right. So I'm not sitting here saying because because every situation is different. I get that, but man, there is so many in college football. There, in the well, and and it's not just college football, Scott. Um, you know, you you're going to see this happen to an extent. In most sports, including some women's sports, you have. um, And and again, this is where NIL and the transfer portal coincide. Look, there are a lot of players. In football that entered the transfer portal who ain't got a home. That's right. And I wonder, gee. Wonder how they feel about that now, you know, because. When we talk about the portal, all we talk about is the player who enters the portal who decides to go someplace else. We don't hear about the kids that don't go anywhere. And I, I think education here is important. Um, but there, you know, you're going to lose group of five to P5 because of money. You know, and... Let me go ahead and use an example right here, okay? Theo Akuba announced yesterday he's going to Ole Miss. Now, Theo does not come from a wealthy family. Theo's going to get some NIL money to help his family. And it was one of the major reasons why he entered the portal to begin with. And that's going to happen. I mean, look at Norchad O'Meara at Arkansas State. Guys, the player of the year, defensive player of the year. He's from Nicaragua. He winds up going to Miami. Guess what? Dude's going to get paid. And that's, but I guess that's my point. I think people are upset, more upset about the NIL because of what the guy at Pitt did. And and I, I am a supporter of the NIL. For, you just gave a few examples because I do think, listen, there are situations where it's it's good for the player. The player deserves it. Um, it's I think it's their right. I think if you didn't have the NIL, would there be as many in the transfer portal? No, there's 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 a, there's some more. But I I guess my point is I think that number is being exaggerated because I I still think the number would be gigantic even without it. And maybe maybe I shouldn't be, I guess I'm not surprised, right? Fans are more upset about the NIL because they're losing maybe the best player. I'm looking at it more from a student-athlete standpoint, and I, there's no way to balance the good versus the bad when it comes to the portal because it's it's a case-by-case basis. The one-time transfer rule when when it was approved, that was for... The kid whose coach got fired, mm-hmm. or or the or the kid who he signed and he said, you know, I think I could get more playing time elsewhere, uh, or, you know, I I want a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, or whatever, and that's what the transfer portal was doing. You throw in NIL, 
And now you've got this mass thing going on. So you think NIL has greatly increased the number? I think that the NIL has increased the number. How greatly, I, I don't know. But, but, I, but I do know that you're going to see more transferring within the Power Five than you, than you would if the NIL didn't exist. And you're talking about the Power Five big dogs versus the little dogs. Correct. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Jay Walker. You can hit us up via Twitter at ESPN Lafayette. Uh, you can email Scott at ESPNLafayette.com. Jarrett emails. He says, I thought Theo was down to two choices. Can you remind me of what the other school was? Iowa. It was Iowa? Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he made a tweet on Sunday. Yeah, that's the one I remember. That said down to two, and the logos were Ole Miss and Iowa. Okay. Gotcha. I, I, um, I had heard a week ago that Illinois was very much in the, in the thing, and I even commented, I think he's going to wind up in the Big Ten. Uh, and as it turned out, he, he wound up at Ole Miss. Um, and I knew that Ole Miss was trying to get him. I knew that. All right, let's head to the phone lines, 337-269-1077. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. I got a question. Where do y'all see the, uh, the, the, the defensive end that went as an um, undrafted free agent to Green Bay? What do you think his chances are? Are you talking about Chauncey Manack? Yes. Manack's chances, Jay? I mean, Well, I, you know, I think... With every undrafted free agent, usually the goal is to make the practice squad um, in that first year and then continue to develop and then, you know, eventually, you know, become a a part of an NFL program. You know, I think that's worked and and gotten Christian Ringo, for instance, um, you know, some some time in the National Football League. Enough to have a pension when all is said and done. Correct. He's he's made some good money. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, you don't have a whole lot of undrafted free agents that immediately make a make a squad and make a contribution in the NFL right away. I, I really think the realistic goal for the undrafted free agents is to make somebody's practice squad. And I think what's good for him is 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 Green Bay likes to. I think they do mainly three four, and so I think that's better for his skill set. But one thing Chauncey's going to have to do. That I don't think he did a lot of at UL is is special teams. And yeah, you, you're gonna have to go in there and you're gonna see like Percy's a fourth round pick and he's in a good spot and and I think he'll do well in Washington and I do think that he's a he's a I think he 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 can succeed as an NFL DB but I also think perhaps the difference between fourth and fifth round for him is just how good he is on special teams and that's Correct. one thing with Manak that I. I don't know. I don't know if he can do it because it wasn't something he really did much of in college. And so, therefore, you look at the, de- the depth chart at, you know, weak side linebacker in Green Bay. I mean, right now he's fourth on it. So he's – the reality is he's got some, some guys he has to climb on the depth chart. But um, I like Chauncey. I mean, I, I really liked his personality. And uh, he, he worked hard, and I think he's, he's got a battle in front of him. So – Go and uh, and get dirty on special teams to make it happen, and then and then see 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 where the chips fall. Does he have the frame to put on a little weight or no? 
Maybe a little I, I don't, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I don't see. I didn't. You know, maybe I, I maybe to, maybe some. I I he's big. I mean, he's six three two fifty. Again, I think again three four is more his thing. I mean, I, I it's I don't like Chauncey had okay speed, but you worry if you put on more weight. Does that? Yeah. I I think yeah. he's I think yeah. he's rolling with what I don't he's think, got. I don't think more weight is something that that uh, benefits him. that benefits him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'm a pull for him. Hey. Yeah, I know you're a Packers fan. Appreciate the call. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank Bye. you. Rod Gardner. Um, now, I think he's got a good shot to make it. Uh, Levi, if you're going to go somewhere as a quarterback that's UDFA, go somewhere where the depth chart is kind of open. It's not like anyone there is 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 world beaters. It's, you know what I mean? That's... And and as Jay said, get on the practice squad. And now the practice squad rules have changed so much. It kind of started with the COVID year, but the NFL has allowed the league and the Players Association to keep some of those rules. But the call-ups, you know, you can be called up from the practice squad for two games per year. Um, there's a lot more players on the practice squad now than there was years ago. They're allowed to have some that have more experience and others that don't. But... um I think I think Seattle's a good spot for him. I mean, the good thing about being a UDFA, if you have a good agent, if you have a good agent, is they are going to find a spot for you where you're going to have the best odds of making the team. Um, you know, I remember Sammy Knight, who's in the Saints Hall of Fame. Fans love Sammy Knight, right? He was he was great. Multiple Pro Bowls. He played linebacker at USC. No one wanted to draft him because he projected more as a safety in the NFL. He had a good agent. The Saints were terrible at the time, by the way. And the Saints just, they, they basically just, they were trying to sign him and they they faxed his agent the depth chart at safety. And then he immediately signed with the Saints. And then he was starting as a UDFA later that year and it turned out to be pretty good. So um, I think I think Farad and Levi are in a good place. And I think from a 3-4 standpoint, that's good for Chauncey. But it's... The reality is it's going to be tough for him to make it. Well, look, the, the, it's a long road, okay? You you do see players that were undrafted free agents that wind up having very good careers in the NFL. Uh, and they're nice stories when they happen. But they're a very small minority. It's true. Saints fans love them because of the Pierre Thomases, the Lance Morris, who, by the way, wasn't a UDFA of theirs. He was UDFA of Cleveland's, but... A UDFA, nonetheless. Uh, what about this linebacker that the Saints have, Demario? Yeah, he was a UDFA. Yeah, I did not know that, Jay. I didn't realize he was a UDFA. Well, there you go. I mean, he wasn't their UDFA, but he's the sec, arguably the second or third best free agent signing in team history. Yep. Um, you remember those, but as as Jay pointed out, you gotta. You got to remember that every year you have a boatload of these guys and most yep. of them don't make it. That's correct. And I'll never forget you were talking on Bird's Eye View years ago when the Saints drafted Robert Meacham and you were upset about it. And Meacham didn't really play much. His first, I mean, basically redshirted his first year. It worked out well for him because he finally put it together for one season and it happened to be the Super Bowl season. So he's remembered fondly. But you were so... um. Tickled, I guess, is the word I would use when a caller called in and was like, 
well, he's having a bad camp, but it's all right. They they got Rima McKnight for Notre Dame, who was a UDFA, and you right. said, listen to what you're saying. <laughs> you said, you're saying it's okay because he was undrafted and a first-round guy might be a bust. Stop thinking Marcus Colson, who was almost undrafted, it, that every guy is going to turn into a Marcus Colson. Like, don't be ridiculous. I was wrong in Demario Davis. He was like a fourth, right? Yep. There Jets. I thought it was a fourth, yeah. Um, no, I I have never ever, ever been a fan of taking a wide receiver in the first round. Unless they're, you know, elite like Megatron or, or you know, whoever. Uh, other than that, I'm not excited about first-round picks at wide receiver. So you, you don't like Chris Olave Garden? Let, let me tell you my, my, my issue. I, look, I think the guy could be a very good player for the Saints. I'm hoping he will be. But was it worth giving up two more picks to move up three spots when you were going to get another good wide receiver at 16? It all depends that, on... That is the the thing that gives me pause about this guy. Now, if this guy's an all-pro in a couple, three years, then it was a great move. But if this guy's Robert Meacham, I don't think he will well, be. No, no, no. Then, you know, I, I just... I was not a fan as deep as the wide receiver pool was this year. I was not a fan of giving up two picks to move up three spots to get the guy. Because honestly, you go ahead, keep the picks, and maybe you get two receivers. Is he turn into Jalen Rager or does he turn into Justin Jefferson? Yeah. I mean... You're talking about first-round guys. A lot of people bring up, oh, well, Laquan Treadwell, first-rounder. He was a bust, and Michael Thomas went in the second round. You can find any example to fit the narrative you want. Sure. The reality is, you said it for years, I say it. We'll, we'll, we'll grade this later. Yeah. Right? The Patriots, their motto is, let's get a giant wide margin for error. And it's why they've whiffed on so many draft picks, but why they also get praised for, oh, I can't believe they picked this guy. It's like both... But it's because they they I mean they had ten picks this year. They acquire so many picks. Well, that's and they have they they get a lot of guys that are that aren't bad. Patriots have won what seven Super Bowls? Is that right? And their <clears throat> mantra throughout: move down, get more picks; trade down, get more picks; trade down, get more picks. They've had some bad ones too. Though. They've had some bad ones. Really bad ones. They've had some bad ones. But they've also won seven Super Bowls. It's the margin of error, right? The Saints look at it as we're that confident in our talent evaluators that we're going to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. There's only one team that had less picks this year than the Saints, and that was the Dolphins, who, you know, got Tyreek Hill and did some other things with those. The Saints just, they, they, they traded other picks to do what they did. And... Well, it's, they, it's just a different and philosophy. They'll tell, you, they'll tell you it's quality over quantity, and, mm -hmm. and that could be true. Now, you know, I think I think that the lineman that they got, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's, from what I understand, oh, he's, I like a, that he's a mean dude. But in his first year, he'll probably lead the NFL in holding penalties. Whatever. I'll until take, he learns. I'll take a left tackle on a rookie deal if... Yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm, no, I like to pick. I, I like to pick. You need I just, I just don't know that he's going to, you know come in and make this huge splash because he holds a lot. He did it in college. He held a lot. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to see yellow flags and you're going to holding number 70, whatever. 
uh, and you're and you're going to get a little frustrated with the kid. Uh, but I th- no, I think he's a talent. I like. To Are you going to have it, 2017 draft that Saints fans bring up a lot? Or are you going to have a 2020 draft where you had Cesar Ruiz and Zach Bond and Adam Troutman and Tommy Stevens and you were ultra aggressive and you you traded a lot of picks to move up, not to get Ruiz, but Troutman and Bond and these other guys. And you didn't have as many picks going into that draft because you were aggressive the year before and the year before that. And that draft ain't looking too good right now, guys. Let's be real. 2017, it was great. Some of those guys are on other teams now. Some are still on the Saints it's great in a few years, and if those guys work out, then you'll say, well, it was worth it. If you whiff on one of those two first-round picks, then you deserve to get criticized because it was – you gave away a first-rounder and multiple third-rounders where you've be, had a lot of success to move up? I'm going to be interested to see what the wide receiver that Washington took – at 16, when they traded with the Saints, I'll be interested to see what that guy does. Because if he turns out to be a good one, then I will continue to be critical of the fact that the Saints traded up because they could have had that guy, you see? Jahan Dotson of Penn State. Yeah, yeah. And that's how we look at it, even though, and that's how I look at it, even though so much of it has to do with fit and personnel and coaching and culture and all that other stuff. That's not how our brains work, guys. My brain is, you could add that guy. He was really good. Instead, you took that guy. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is. Yep. When we come back, oh, wait, real quick. Thoughts on Matthew signing with the Saints? Oh, I think this huge. That was big. No, I think, no, huge. I was on, I was on yesterday, and I, I'll pat myself on the back. I was like, I think he's signing today, and I think he's going to be with the Saints. It'll happen after 3 o'clock because of the compensatory pick deadline. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, you got the news that he agreed to it. And I was like, this is, it's. No, it's big. The icing or the gravy is just, oh, he's from New Orleans and oh, LSU and all that. Let me tell you something. The meat of this is the fit and what Dennis Allen likes to do with the DBs. And let's not act like this guy is like on his last leg. He and Marcus May are the same age, by the way. He's been, he was on an all-decades team. Oh, well, why did Houston get rid of him? Uh, they didn't get rid of him. They didn't want to re-sign him. Kansas City did, and he, all he did is go to a bunch of Pro Bowls and make all pro teams. So don't give me this, if he's so good, why did teams not want to re-sign him? It's happened a few times. No, I think, no, I think, this is, I think that's big for the Saints. Agreed. Another Hall of Fame song? Oh, are we inducting one today? Induction. TTT Hall of Fame induction. Coming up next on The Great Scott Show, I'm Scott. That is Jay Walker. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey boy, we should do something. 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Take it away, Jay. Not a glicker and horse. Liquor and horse. No, that is not going into the Hall of Fame. Cigarettes and dope and mustard and bologna. Not today. It's terrible. Tune. Tuesday, Hall of Fame induction. There was never a doubt this one would get in at some point ever. It is unlike anything I've ever heard when I first heard it. And what draws me back to the first time we played it was we got a phone call and the listener said, I just sat in my truck and listened to that song and I've never felt more awkward in my entire life. (laughs) And I'm by myself. (laughs) (laughs) We're going back to 2013 in a song written and produced by the uh, Pakistani singer-songwriter Taharsha. It became very popular on social media and YouTube and was a hit in Pakistan. And he was uh, sarcastically described as a musical genius in a tongue-in-cheek article in a Pakistan newspaper. It, it's awkward. And I remember telling you at the time, he, it's like Saeed and Hurley. I'm sorry, not Saeed. Um, uh, Lost. What, what is it? Saeed. Saeed. Okay, I got it right. Yeah. It's like Saeed and Hurley from Lost if you just put them together and made one human out of them. That's what this guy looks like. So without further ado, a TTT classic. And now it is my honor to induct it into the TTT Hall of Fame. This is Eye to Eye by Tahar Shah on Terrible Tune Tuesday. Serious feelings, romantic 
time, once in a life. Substantial love is heaven for precise eyes. Spectacular eyes, our eyes, my eyes, and your eyes. Eye to eye, eye to eye. Beautiful eyes, as endless love. Your eyes are like a sunshine. Yes, indeed. There's something hypnotic about that song. Okay. (laughs) Next TTT Hall of Fame induction will come from that man, the king of TTT, Jay Walker. And whatever it will be next time, I know it will be worthy. But no debate from you that that one right there belongs in the hall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now we have five songs that have been inducted. Agadoo, Chacaron, Macaron, Honey, Friday, and now Eye to Eye. Jay's coming up next. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. We're going to do a Hall of Fame induction. Last week we didn't, and we had maybe the most memorable TTT ever last week. Yeah, I know, but that's true. When we come back, Jay's thoughts on my big topic from the first hour of different rules in different sports when it comes to PED, especially in the court of public opinion. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show wraps up right after this. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Oh, yeah, sell some, yo, macaron, yeah, macaron, no, chacaron, 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 chacaron. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Tomorrow, Anthony Babineau in the 8 o'clock hour, working on a guest or two for the 7 o'clock hour. Jay Walker in studio for the last segment here. Jay, I was... Ask ask Bab um, about the advantages of a charter flight for, oh. for a baseball trip. Oh, yeah. 
Bab, Bab was a happy guy yesterday. I, I bet he was. I bet he was. Um, player in the NFL gets a PED. The discussion is, how's it going to affect the team? Fantasy football. Not how's it going to impact the player's legacy. No one's going to start saying, well, DeAndre Hopkins isn't the best. I don't think he's the best receiver in football because he got a PED once. Doesn't happen. Baseball, it's different. Olympics, it's different. Track and field is different. Cycling, it's different. Um, now, if you're really nice to the media, maybe they'll give you a pass. I don't know. But I was thinking about what drove this. And I think a lot of it is the media. Because we can go back to, well, baseball, they, they care more about records than they do in this sport. In this sport, they care. Ba- baseball but, is a records-driven sport. Yes. It, it is, but I do think that that, tr- that goes back to how the media has covered the sport. Like, Well, yes and no, okay? Your fan base in baseball, even if the media wasn't driving the thing about steroids and and stuff the fans still would have revolted because baseball fans understand that baseball is a statistics driven sport now was it embellished that much more with the media sure but there would have been there would have been a very adverse reaction regardless why didn't they revolt when everybody was digging the long ball because they didn't know you think they were that naive yes I bet you. I bet you. Many in the media knew. And I don't were, know. They were enjoying the fruits of it. I think a lot of it goes back to how it was presented has to do with the reaction. But Big Poppy, first ballot. Where is the Where is the the the, the backlash of that? Where's the um, positive drug test of that? Barry Bonds never tested positive. You're right, but we saw. The changes, okay? I didn't see that as much with Ortiz. There were, there were multiple stories and allegations. Okay. I, I, I don't, it wasn't like, Beck Pappy was different than a Bagwell of, maybe, but I don't know. Well, and, and. I think it has and, to do with how he treated the media. If he had well, been I surly and no, mean. No, you're absolutely he's right. He's not getting into the Hall of you're Fame at all. You're absolutely right. If you're a jackass, that, that works against you. If you're Big Poppy, it gets overlooked. It's. And that goes back to my point, I think. How the media reacts and covers something will go a long way, especially as you yeah, know, I think this within the evolves. sport, I think you're right. I as, think you're right. As this thing evolves. But um, different rules, different sports, that's just how it is. And so on and so on and scooby dooby dooby. Eye to eye. Hmm. Eye to That is Jay Walker. Shoot, next week. You're leaving Tuesday next week, right? Yes. Are you leaving Monday? So you're in studio next week? Yeah. Cha-ching! Probably won't leave um, till about noon. That excites me. I always love seeing you. Love this hour. It's fun, and um, I know the listeners enjoy it too, so I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show's next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.